So hello and welcome to the first ever My Fancy Zamboni podcast. So we are joined today by Mr. David Grant. Good evening. Uh, we are joined by Mr. Gareth Dutton over the Pennines. Good evening. And uh, also me, I'm Joe White. Uh, me and Dave are in Sheffield, so we've got two Steelers fans and a Storm fan. Um, basically giving our input into the Elite League um, and all things EIHL. Uh, we may dabble into other things, I'm a bit of a mention as to things like NHL, a bit of KHL, you know, things to take your fancy, but the majority of the focus over the podcasts will be the Elite League. Um, so, what's the uh, what's the first topic off the ranks? I think we're, we're going to begin by just kind of doing a roundup of a few of the Elite League teams, and then we'll do a few uh, in the next podcast. So, uh, Dave, who have we got first? As there's two of us from Sheffield, let's start with his own and the Sheffield Steelers. Um, we are, we'll go for the five of the teams with the Steelers. Um, very interesting off-season, huge changes, some not popular in the fan base, some retains aren't popular in the fan base. Um, but a team has been put together that looks a lot hungrier, a lot you know, they, they look like they want it a bit more. And okay, we've only got pre-season to look at, um, but they do look a lot more like a fall line that's going to be constant all the time. We don't like there's going to be much coaching, assuming injury didn't harm or anything. So I think what you've had, though, for me, the, the off-season with the Steelers is that Tar's gone in a completely different direction. He's gone away from his tried and tested route, which he's done for many years. The guy has experience. The guy knows what he's doing. So he's, take, he's taken a gamble. Um, and the look of the team so far, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna lie, it looks looks pretty decent. Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, it's a big thing to take in the off season, isn't it, to take a team and uh, basically scrap ninety percent of them, including the starting netminder. Um, I mean, it, it certainly took a lot of us by shock. I mean, personally, I, I felt like there were a few players that were stuck in ruts. I, I feel like we kept maybe some players on a year too long maybe raised certain players up a little bit too high um, and, and made them feel a little bit too comfortable. So, to be honest, I, I feel like the change was needed, but it's, it certainly came as a surprise. Uh, but no, I, I agree. I think the I think the signings that we've made and the building that we've done this off-season has, has been really quite impressive. I mean, for me, one of the big, the key things was was the, the brick core. It's every team's main thing. Their brick core has to be good. Sheffield has... arguably one of the best brick cores, if not the best brick um, core. But then you consider we lost um, the top point scorer of the club last year in Ben O'Connor. First into the KHL, and then four days later the club decided to cancel a contract. But they then landed a, a gig in the Allsvenska with Lexland. Um, good league to go to. Um, but we got a good um, core of players. Then you look at the players we brought in. Um, Jackson Whistle, two years in Belfast. Um, made the GB squad in the recent World Championships. Um, opens options as a classified Brit. Um, you then look at some of the players brought in. Ryan Martinelli, Aaron Johnson, um, Josh McFadden, uh, Justin Buzio, um, Tanner Eberle, Matt Rupert and his brother Ryan Rupert, and someone that we really know about a little bit, Chris Lawrence. Um, you look at the different players that have been brought in, and they do very much look like they're brought in specific roles. Playing the, you know, They're not there to do everything, they're doing their wrong. Very much compact and it's very, it looks on the offset, looks organised. Yeah, we've certainly gone for a lot more depth this season as well. I think having Chris Lawrence signed, I mean, I'll, I'll, I won't lie, I was very surprised when I woke up that morning. We've made a few very exciting, big imports that were fresh to the league. It's always, in, always more exciting, isn't it, in a way to sign imports from outside of the league. Um, and then you wake up one morning, Steelers have signed Chris Lawrence. And I, I, to be honest with you, at first, it was a bit of an anti-climax for me. And then I think once you read into it and saw that we'd signed him as a fourth-line centre, I think that kind of summed up the kind of depth that we were going for this season. I mean, one of the stats I've, I've been interested in is looking at sort of the, the big league experience. And, and what I've done over the, for the six teams um, so far is look at the NHL, AHL, SHL, DAEL and Czech experience. And there's a couple of teams with other... Big league experience I'll mention. You look at the Steelers, um, now okay, probably one player's got the majority, but nearly 300 NHL game experience, over 2,000 AHL. And then you can look at the Czech League, 338 games, DEL 191 and SHL 83. 
the depth does seem to be uh, something that goes through that team. They've got big, big sorry, my apologies, big league experience, um, which will hopefully take them far this year. What do you think, Greth? Well, you obviously you've uh, you've not had a chance to see the Steelers in action as of yet, but obviously you've seen the kind of signings that we've made. What do you? Uh, what's your impression? It looks like a, a, a team that's going to be tough to play against. I was really happy about the Rupert signings, even though I'm a Storm fan, mainly because I watched them in junior in the major junior leagues for London Knights. Wow. They were brilliant then. Nice, <laughs> I did not realise that. So who's your standout player? If you had to pick one person from that roster that we signed in Sheffield, who's, who's your go-to man? Who's the person you'd say is going to be MVP for the season? Would that be either John or Phillips or Robert Dowd? Staying with the staying with the uh, the long timers. Um, for me, as a new as a, as a bit of new blood, I mean, I've got him on my jersey this year. I'll hold my hands up. It's got to be Justin Buzio. Um, I mean, his stats stood out to me straight away. But then also, I mean, seeing him in the preseason, he was cutting through some of the Timber defence just like butter. He he looks an absolute class act. I'm I'm gonna. Probably goes going to retain his 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 title and Mark Matheson, uh, whoever mentioned who was just absolutely stellar last year, and I just think with him as well as being these uh, players as a coach, I think that's going to uh, bolster him, and I think he's going to have another great year for the uh, for the club. Yeah. So I, I think you know Sheffield's in good hands, and another team that's in good hands, we have to go to the reigning champions of the elite league, um, holders of the Monteith Bowl, the the Cardiff Devils, um, a team that. You know, chased Sheffield down, overtaken them without um, Andrew Lord as his coach. Um, had a good team last year. And then you look at some of the signs they made this year, they look just that little bit better. Um, you know, you look at... One guy stands out straight away, Charles Lingley. Absolute stellar experience. And from the KHL to the Elite League in one move. Says a lot for the league, but also for the Cardiff Devils job. It does, yeah. I mean, another player that I'd throw in there is uh, is Mike Hedden. Um, I believe he was the first, if not the first, he was one of the first um, new players that they signed. Um, I, I think people were getting a little bit concerned. You know, well, not necessarily concerned, but kind of thinking, you know, you know, it's going to be the same team as last year, and then all of a sudden Cardiff kind of come in and bang. Here is this absolute stud that we've signed in Mike Head, and I mean he's come back off the back of three years in the DEL, putting up you know thirty one points in fifty one games in the DEL. He's uh, certainly a, a good precedent to set for yourself going into the new season in the Elite League. Certainly a, a top end signing, and another guy who, who I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of is Steve Dixon. Um, vast AHL, KHL, SHL, Liga internet experience. The guy has just experience. Pouring out of his CV, um, I, I'm going to be honest. I think he's the type of guy that we could end up seeing being probably one of the uh, the season's MVP for the league. Yeah, yeah, certainly wouldn't surprise me. In fairness, what's your opinions, Greth? I was kind of surprised they didn't keep Tyson Strat- Stratton, just because he might have played for Buffalo, like my favourite team. But you know, he did extremely well when he came in halfway through the season. Yeah, although. They've signed a, a really good player in Ben Blood. He's yeah. just come out of the, the top finish league. Yeah. He's got a, a lot of penalty minutes, so he's going to be... Probably could have seen a hi to me a few times in the penalty box. <laughs> but just looking at Cardiff's sort of league experiences, we've done the comparison. They've not got as many NHLs as Steelers and, and AHL, but their SHL experience, 120 plus games, 330 plus games, DL. Now, this year being a big year for World Championships in, in Great Britain Ice Hockey, 20 World Championship top league experience, all uh, Charles Lingley, but 430 plus KHL games, 430 plus Liga game experience in that roster. It's going to be tough to look against them for anything again this year. It is. I mean, the only thing for me is I, I kind of wonder if they've kept on a few too many players. Obviously, they've lost Andrew Hotham. That was a huge blow for them and their fan base. Um, obviously, I can't remember the guy's name now. They signed who was the guy that they signed at the start of the preseason, and then he left straight away. Parisi. Yeah, Parisi. That was it. So obviously they signed him. He was a, another big guy, a lot of AHL experience. So to lose him as well was a big blow. 
Um, I just kind of wonder if they've just kept one or two players too many. Um, I mean, I think it's a trap that the Steelers fell into when they did the double, and you know that kind of came back to bite them a little bit. And, you know, have they fallen into the same trap of of letting a couple of players get too too comfortable? I, I guess we'll only really be saying, you know, yes or no come April May time. But until then, you know, we just gotta wait and see. One question I want to throw to both of you guys, um, Ben Bounds. After his season last year, after his World Championship um, performance, was it the year that he could have made a gamble and gone abroad to a higher league and pushed himself further? Now, this is not saying that Ben's not pushing himself at all at Cardiff, but in terms of going to another league, a higher league than the Elite League, could this off-season have been that year where he's took the plunge? I'll, I'll let you go first, Griff. After... Budapest, I think definitely, he could have easily made a DAL team or a DAL two team, for example. It was, he's just he is unreal, and in this league is possibly one of the best goal netminders, including the imports. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not Ben Bounds' biggest fan in the league. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, he's done a stellar job in Cardiff. Obviously, he's won two league trophies, and you don't get that for nothing. But I think one thing that Cardiff have always been quite coy about is, is signing a good decor around him. I think Bouncy tends to give a lot of rebounds away. And and what the D have been good at doing for the last couple of years is, is choking out that defensive zone to not really give any options out from those rebounds. Um, I mean, yes, the answer to the question is yes, I think he could have gone further outfield. Is he showing a bit of a lack of aspiration? I, I, you know, maybe... You know, certain players may find it a little bit more comfortable staying at home. And I think what Bounty's got as a starter position um, for Cardiff and obviously Cardiff pushing for the treble, there's certainly some aspiration there. But I, I certainly do think that he could have gone further out and he could have, you know, contested in other leagues, as Greth said, things like DEL2, DEL1, um, Al Svenskan. You know, there, there were other leagues that he could have moved to. But I'll say one thing, as much as I put that for question, Cardiff keeping him, shows one thing for certain is they look after their top end players very well. Yeah. To keep a guy who will be one of the key ingredients to Andrew Lord's plan to retain the, the league title. It shows shows how much the organisation look after him well and uh, from a hockey fan's perspective, it's actually good to see them after the years ago where things weren't as rosy um with the Devils. So take my, my Sheffield hat off. It's good that they have the, the organisation down there now looks after their guys and there's a little bit of a nice buzz about them. And you know, all being well, they uh, take it to the CHL. Who knows what they'll do with the uh, the elite league coming the new season? So, well, going from Cardiff, going from Bounds, sticking sticking to his guns and sticking to his team. Why don't we uh, we flip to a team who's seen a, a huge shake up this year in uh, the departure of uh, of Corey Nielsen? And, you know, and the Nottingham Panthers, yeah. The Nottingham Panthers obviously seen a huge a huge change there. I don't know whether it's a loss or not. I don't know whose decision it was, but. You know, they're certainly seeing a, a huge change. Corey Nielsen's been there for obviously a, a number of years. So to get a new coach in, got to be exciting for their fans. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll start it off then as a player that's worth watching. Um, it has to be Luke Pither. I mean, the, the guy obviously, I mean, even if you look at his, his pre-season stats, I don't have the stats in front of me per se um, for his pre-season. But I mean, I was looking the other day and I think he's, he's averaged... Uh, two goals, probably two goals and an assist in each of their pre-season games this year so far. I mean, he's certainly establishing himself as a, a quality player. Um, and obviously, you know, he's played 137 AHL games in his career, um, knocking on the door of the NHL. You, you, know, you don't do that for nothing. I must, yeah, it's, it, they'll be fascinating to look at. Um, bringing Rich Chilamaz in, um, I think it was DL2 last year, Completely different aspects of hockey in terms of coaching styles, so that's going to be very interesting. His resume looks good, though. You know, yeah. they've not just brought someone off the streets; they've gone out and and brought someone who. Let's be fair, you know, for a rookie coach to um, being probably one of their most successful coaches, and definitely at the modern era, Corey Nielsen did a great job for the Panthers. Oh, uh, um, absolutely. Yeah, he got that elusive uh, league title win, um, but was very much known for his cup wins. Uh, the Challenge Cup, the playoffs, the Continental Cup. Um, 
as you know, we, we mock the playoffs, but they're not easy. To, they're not easy to where to win, especially not the Continental Cup. And they had to play in the second round, so they did three rounds. So he, you know, a big name in terms of the coaching prowess for the Panthers, and bringing someone of that experience was was a good move, big move for them. Absolutely. I mean, you look at other players, Mark Hurtabies. I, I remember when he played for the Capitals. I mean, uh, him and his uh, team was you know tearing the points uh, apart when he played. I think it was on nine. I think he was like ninety points for the Capitals. Um, so he's played in Denmark over the past couple of years. So he's been uh, um, someone who's you know, kept at a decent level of hockey. Mm. Um, and then they return in Guy Lapine. Um, yeah. Did go, has been in the NHL, has been knocking on the door of the NHL. Um, memories of him was he was a very, <coughs> very much stay-at-home demon and didn't uh, mess around in, in his duties and was tough. Was one of the tougher um, enforcers. In his last stint, um, and I can't see you know there could be many people that's be able to knock him off uh, that perch. Gareth, um, your your thoughts on the Panthers and their kind of real changeover for this year? I think they've done well in keeping like some of the core players. So, for like example, Perlina, Lockowitz, Farmer, Betteridge, Tim Billingsley, and Michael Garnett. They've also signed a really, in his junior days, he was really good. Tyler Biggs, he mm. went first round to tr- the Toronto Maple Leafs, unfortunately, in 2011. It unfortunately didn't seem to have worked out though. See, so look at um, they do have a roster that does have a lot of experience, and, and what they've announced today um, is Joshua Tetlow has gone on loan to Dundee, but someone that they're saying is to give him more ring time, but one they're keeping their eye on, and someone that they believe will will be one of the stars in the next two or three years. So this is a club that's not only got top-end talent up front, they've got their eyes on players, they've got their eyes on people that are going to come into the club and replace. Could be some exciting years for the Panthers. Yeah, they, they certainly could. I mean, looking, looking at their numbers, obviously, I know that you've got the list there, um, I, I mean, they're looking very similar in 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 one aspect to, um, to Cardiff in in an aspect of they they're a little bit lighter on the NHL and AHL games than maybe the Steelers are. But then obviously they've they've got well they're looking at three hundred twenty eight KHL games, um, you know, one hundred sixty five DEL games, um, and then one thousand seven hundred eighty AHL games. They're, they're certainly packing some experience in that team still, just in, just from different leagues and different areas. Um, again, I mean, I, I've said this before already. I, I think these guys are going to be winning some silverware this season. I, I'm not really sure what, but I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if these guys were going to come away with some kind of silverware. They've certainly got the roster for it. Um, and again, you know, from a Sheffield Nottingham perspective, I think the changes across both sides, I think, could just re- reignite the rivalry. I know um, mm. Chandler Maz has uh, added his input in uh, this week. Uh, do you know what? I, I, I think it's brilliant and I look forward to it. And I know Sheffield are not going to have their first taste for that on Saturday. So the AI conference finishes with the Belfast Giants. Um, you never know what to expect from Belfast, but last year they managed to uh, bring home the Challenge Cup, big win over Cardiff to Iserino Wales. Um, and and Keith's first year as coach uh, of the Giants. Uh, Gareth, what do you what do you reckon to their team and how they've built their, their lineup this year? Well, uh, they've built a, a good they've got a great D man in Paul Swindlehurst. Unfortunately he left us, but even at in the World Championships he was brilliant the full season, brilliant. Not a foot wrong. And then you got him for their forwards. Jonathan Furland's back, great guy. Patrick Dwyer. He played in the NHL for a while. They've got some really good players. And then still keeping Colin Shields. Yeah, I mean, Colin Shields is the guy that's, uh, I, I believe he's, he, I think he's got the record for the top amount of points scored in the franchise, I think, or something along those lines. I mean, don't quote me on that, but that's, you know, he certainly put a lot of points upon the board for Belfast. He may put a bit of a bit of taste in the mouth of some Steelers fans for the, uh, part of the season that he came towards and maybe didn't put that point production quite as much into play but he's certainly a top player for them um, 
I mean, obviously, Greff, you've already touched on, Patrick Dwyer. Um, I, I mean, I'm looking at his stats, and, and 2014, he was playing for the Carolina Hurricanes, and I'm not talking playing four or five games, I'm talking he played a 71-game season. Um, he then went from there to Modo at the SHL, and then from there to the Charlotte Checkers. Um, and that was that was the season before last. He was playing 58 games in the AHL. I mean, the guy looks absolute quality. I mean, he's the one that stands out for me as their, their go-to guy to watch. Um, the other mention for me has to be Kyle Bowne. I mean, the guys come straight from the AHL. That's not something you see every day. And again, I'm not talking minimal stats. In, in 2015-16, he was playing for the Chicago Blackhawks two games um, and for the Rockford Icehawks in the AHL for 43 games. He then played another 74 games in the AHL the next season. And then he played a total of 71 games in the AHL last season. So to come straight to the Elite League, it's got to be said, that's a huge move for uh, for Adam Keefe. I think one guy that's not been mentioned who's should, there's another one from the AHL is Francis Bavillier, who's mm-hmm. come straight from Manitoba Moose. Um, brother of um, the Bavillier who plays for the Islanders currently. Um, but good stats there. And he was playing, you know, 40 games uh, with the Manitoba Moose. So they've, they've, they've signed quality um, straight from big leagues. And one player that we've not mentioned who will be the key to their title aspirations is the netminder. Tyler um, Beskarowani. I think that's how you pronounce his name. <laughs> I'm hoping that is. But uh, he looked great when he signed for, for the for the Edmund last year. Against, you know, behind a really poor team. No disrespect, but, you know, Lots of high-end experience, AHL, DEL, um, I believe it was a DEL player, man of the season at one point. So, yeah, no, 14-15 was the DEL goal of the year. So, you know, with the way the elite began, we, we really do rely on our starting netminder. I think Belfast have got someone who can give them that experience, big league experience to draw down going into the stretch. Whereas I think Sheffield's got the, the, the youthful end with a good netminder, very good netminder, Jackson Whistle. Belfast has got the experience room. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the guy, his stats may have not looked great last year. He played for the Cornwall Nationals for the start of the season just for two games. He had a 3.5 goals against average. Uh, and then obviously he played 15 games for Edinburgh, 4.06 goals against average. The only thing I'll say for him is, I mean, he didn't play in the 2016-17 season and he's only played 17 games in the 17-18 season. So it does put him a little bit out of out of practice in terms of game experience but you know you've got to believe that Adam Keith, you know he knows what he's doing um, they've also obviously got the good backup in Stephen Murphy um, you know obviously the, the, the club's long standing starting netminder who's obviously as he's got a bit older has dropped down to the, the, the backup netminder I mean I can see him still taking a good portion of it I could still see him playing 30-40% of the games this season so Tyler Beskarowani to back that is is a good signing for me I must agree and also he'll have the contacts with his brother um, Sheldon Keith, if Grace first name right who just won the, the Calder Cup with the Toronto Marlies yeah so you look at that roster and I don't know if you agree Gareth or not but you, you can't see them not taking any silverware this year I can see them probably taking the Challenge Cup again. Uh, they're, late, they're even in the Conti Cup as well this year. Which yeah. is, that's going to be a pretty good for the for Belfast. They are indeed. Um, in the semi-finals, the same stage as the Steelers were last year. Um, and who knows, maybe they can go to the... Uh, uh, it'd be good for the Elite League for a, a team from Britain in the final for the third year on the run. It would, yeah, no, it certainly would. I, um, I, I guess the only thing to work against them is... You know the the CHL can obviously it's a tournament you play see three games over over three days it, it, it's quite a grueling and quite a you know a tough tournament to play in terms of the amount of games obviously it raises your chance of injury and, and obviously the fatigue of your players absolutely fantastic tournament to be in and, and certainly wouldn't question why we'd be entering it for a second but I do think obviously it, it is something that can can work against you in terms of a successful season in the league. And we saw it, you know, back before the CHL was a thing when we were playing, you know, and we had Andrew Werner in there and, and we contested in the Con- in the Conti Cup and then I think we finished seventh in the league, six, seven, somewhere. Yeah. Just for context of the Connell Cup, Belfast group is they themselves, uh, Katowicz from Poland, 
Medvedsak Zagreb of Croatia, former uh, EBBL, um, sorry, KHL team, now in the B uh, EBBL, and the winners of Group B. Now, Group B, uh, Renon Ritten, Sheffield fans will know them, Mac Budapest, who have been over here for pre season, um, Akrony uh, Yesiniks of Slovenia, and then Belgrade of Serbia. So, not an easy group, but the top two of us will find, I think, Belfast. Yeah, I think they could be uh, having to book their uh, accommodation at the top table for the Continental Cup final. Yeah, I, I could see um, I could see that happening, to be fair. Yeah, that's a point advantage. Yes, yeah. home match advantage is massive. And they could also then potentially get it for the final. Um, I've seen it before where the team's host said if I'll get this final. So, so yeah, Belfast, I, I, I put them on some silverware, just not sure what. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So then we go on to we're going to Gareth's team. We're going to the Manchester Storm. Runners up last year, um, and then lost it in the playoffs in overtime to five. Gareth, give us a lowdown. Give us the changes. Are you going to repeat a runners up, or even better, could you want to win the Elite League? We'll give it a definitely a good a good shot. <laughs> uh, We've had a great goalie in Matt Ginn over the over the like, course of the preseason. He came over. We didn't know much about him, and he's been amazing so far. That we've obviously signed your big back out as a, a, a kind of like a backup. Who he played against Alberg. He was he was brilliant. He had one fault. Which was his rebounds, but apart from that, brilliant. Great. Signing Harrison Roop, that's the key signing for us. He's been brilliant so far. Um, even getting the likes of Dane Bowers back and talking Luke Moffat out of retirement to play for us, that's even a bigger one. And the biggest one of all, re signing Mike Hammond. Yeah, you guys have, have certainly got some punch from last season. Obviously, you've signed the big guys. I think, um, was it Luke Moffat you, you announced like the day after you guys got kicked out of the playoffs in the semis last year, so in the quarters last year, you announced him like a couple of days later, didn't you? And it, it was a big uplift for your fan base because that was a huge signing to uh, to make. Luke Moffat was, was a fantastic player last season. And obviously, as you say as well, Mike Hammond signing back is, is again, it's huge. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a team with quite so many netminders on the books. Uh, <laughs> just looking at your roster here, obviously we've got Matt Ginn, we've got uh, Mr. Paschal, then we've got Deck Ryan, um, ex-Telford Tigers goalie, and then Ash Smith as your fourth goaltender. So it's, you know, it's certainly looking like uh, you've, you've got the guys that, they, uh, that can fit in between the pipes, but... Um, no, in fairness, I, I think you guys look like a strong team this year. Oh, I, I agree as well. With Evan Richardson, we just brought in as well this season, he looks like a, a Mike Hammond type player. He's fast and he's skillful and he can score, which is brilliant for us. Yeah. It's brilliant for the Elite League. And Rob Linesmeyer, his face offs, they're amazing. But I watched some of his YouTube clips of his penalty shootouts before preseason began, and some of the moves he pulled off—they were unreal. Yeah. Would you say you've got a team that's again uh, built for um, Altrigan? Um, you know, the team last year was very much a uh, fast and physical. Um, do you, would you say you've seen the storm so far? Would you say that's uh, the case again? Yeah, I would say that's the case again. I'd, although, I don't think we'll have as many suspensions as we did last year. Is that, we may would, have would that be because you got rid of Jay Rosal by any chance? Can't say anything about that. <laughs> I'll say it for <laughs> you then, because you've got rid of Jay Rosal. Uh, no, I, I mean, I agree with you. Obviously, the guy that you've picked up already is Harrison Rupp. Um I mean, the Penguins fan inside of me kind of... Um, likes the fact that he's got quite so many caps for the, the World Sparse Grant and Penguins. But, I mean, to sign a guy like that, again, I mean, he was playing ECHL and, and on loan in the AHL the season before last. Uh, but, you know, you don't get that kind of quality and you don't get to those kind of leagues without, you know, having something about you. Um, I mean, he played 125 ECHL games with a plus three overall. 
and in 43 AHL games, he only ended up minus seven. I mean, he, he, for me, he's the standout signing that you guys have made this season. Obviously, in addition to re-signing like Moffat and, uh, and Mike Hammond. I agree. Also signing like Logan McMillan, ex-Panthers player, so he can play forward in defence. Mm. So that's great to bring along in case, like for example, we get uh, an injury in D, we can drop Logan back to defence like we did last year with Nate Fleming. Yeah, it was certainly a big thing to have is, is that versatility in a player that can play both. Um, the only thing I'll say about you guys is that you look very short in comparison, certainly to the, the numbers that we've had for Sheffield, Sheffield, Nottingham, Cardiff and Belfast. Um, you look short on the numbers in terms of experience across your kind of bigger leagues. I mean, you, you, across your team, you've only got the 14 games NHL experience, 10 games SHL, 47 in the Liga. 708 in the AHL, but then obviously 49 in the DEL as well. It's, you know, you, you've, from what I can see, it looks like you've brought in a bit more, potentially a bit more of a younger team. Um, you know, you've still got some experience in there, but... But one thing that Ryan Fennessy does tend to do in his, his time at Sheffield as coach and Brad, he finds some diamonds in the rough. And I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys are just the same again this oh, year. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, you look at... Um, players that top the league. I mean, even going back a few years to people like Ryan Hayes when he signed for Edinburgh. I mean, he ended up as the, the league's top scorer, or at least he was when he left Edinburgh. And you know, nobody really expected him to do anything. He was just that guy that shone, um, particularly across the league. You always find those guys, and as you say, Finnity seems to have a bit of a knack for that. So I think it'll be interesting. Definitely interesting for the Storm. One last question, Gareth. Do you reckon you'll make the final four? I reckon so, yeah, without any injuries, we'll definitely do that. Well, you know, it would be good to see the Storm back at the Final Four. It's been uh, um, both reincarnations, it's been a long time. So it would be good to see the Storm. Um, and move there to the last team that we'll do on this podcast. We'll do the other five. Um, we'll, the next one will definitely have a Scotch flavour. But uh, the last team we'll look at is the Milton Keynes Lightning. Last year, one of the two newbies in the Elite League. Um, started off absolutely superbly. And then injuries, unfortunately... Uh, took the toll um, and they didn't make the uh, the playoffs. Um, look at the other side, uh, Joe and Gareth. What do you reckon to, what do you reckon to them? I don't think they've signed a bad squad. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think their their roster was a, you know slightly more underwhelming than the, the, the five that we've already mentioned. I mean, in fairness, budgets have got to come into that. Obviously, league experience has got to come into that. Obviously, as you say, it was their first season in the Elite League last year. Um, you know, so it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Obviously, they've signed a few a few strong players from Sheffield. Obviously, they've, they've, re- they've signed Eric Neely, a player that Sheffield wanted to bring back and obviously initially wasn't going to be playing hockey this season. Uh, obviously, Andreas Valdix, a late signing, a late addition for them. Um Again, another another solid player for them. Uh, you know, they've certainly got a good roster, um, and it'll be nice to see them work their way up a little bit higher in the league tables this year. As you say, they had a very injury-plagued season last year. Obviously, they lost their starting netminder and had to bring in Mika Beekman. Certainly not a bad replacement, but not the start to a season that you want. Um, and you know, it, it kind of spiralled a little bit out towards the end of the season due to that. So it'd be nice to see them climb up a little bit higher. I think, for me, one of the big signings isn't on the ice. And as their coach, uh, Doug McKay, the guy has extensive NHL, AHL bench experience. Um, head coach in the um, top Swiss league, um, ECHL, and has a lot of European experience. Um, so I, I think that's going to help him. And as much as Pete Russell did a stellar job um, last year for a new team, um, I think I, you know I think they Pete Russell was a good move for him to go to Bray, and I think they've upgraded. If I'm honest. Um, on the experience alone, so I think that could give him the edge. Just you know, just someone with that experience, just, you know, who's been there, gone down the, the stretch on a number of teams, different countries, different leagues. I think that could be one of their big signings from this year. Yeah. What do you think, Greth? I'm actually looking forward to seeing MK player this year. I'm looking to see Cole Shooter get more ice time. He, if he's anything like his dad, he'll be amazing. So this is, sorry, go on, sorry, Gareth, go on. So yeah, but even as a Storm fan back in the early days, I I really didn't like watching, as you'd call him, Rocket Ron, 
play because I knew he'd always score past us. One thing to, to, to raise, because we mentioned it earlier on with uh, Tetlow going to Dundee, is the loan agreement um, that the Steelers have with Cole Shulger and the Milton Keynes Lightning. So, Cole Shulger is on the books technically for Sheffield, he's been loaned out for the season um, to the Milton Keynes. What would your guys make to that kind of arrangement? And now we're going to see the second one today. I'll let you take that graph first. Uh, Long signs are great for like the youngsters. For like if they're like between sixteen up to twenty, for example, it gives them more ice time. And then, for example, they could if they're young enough, they could turn into the next Liam Kirk, for example. I mean, last last year for you guys, you had Kieran Brown out on loan to Blackburn Hawks. And he, from looking at his stats from last year, he looks like he had a really good season in the NAIHL. I mean, 17 games, 24 goals. Yeah, it's certainly a good. It's certainly a good system. I'm liking the fact that we're now using it as an interleague system. I think it's great to see Kieran Brown going down and, and getting 24 goals in 17 games. Obviously, he got an injury. I think it was his ACL or MCL that I think he ended up doing in, but. You know, it, it was great to see him put those points up. The only thing I'll say is, obviously, particularly since the EPL has become the NIHL, obviously the EPL folded, um, you know, it is a significant drop to be loaning players out to the NIHL. I, I, I've got to say it's nicer to see them getting more time in this league. I, I feel like it would have done Cole some good to get it done last year. Um, he was in, the, in Liam Kirk's shadow a little bit last year, just with all the scouts coming over. Uh, and things like that and you know when he was playing and when he was on he was he was certainly a player to look out for so I think he's certainly again going to be this year a player to watch out for and I can see him banging in a few against against the Steelers when he comes back I'm going to throw one thing in here like, I agree it's good that players who need that time to go away on a loan arrangement but it's the loan arrangement from within the league and I'll be honest it's it, for me when I'm saying the following, it's not casting any aspersions or questioning the um, legitimacy of both the Steelers and the Lightning, and then obviously with the Panthers and the Stars. But it opens up potential for, you know, tight games, and that player makes a mistake, and his find his home team, not the, the one he's gone to, benefits from it. Now again, before anyone says you know you call the, the integrity, I'm not. It's the potential that some people, because they want an excuse, will use. Mm. I just think that. It's the only thing that I'm not a fan of in terms of the opportunity that it can lead to. I like how teams work together, you know, have younger end players move to other teams to give them that ice time. It's just... It's the only problem with not having a league like the EPL. If you have the EPL, I don't think he'd have gone to the Lightning. I think he'd gone to one of the EPL teams. But the NIHL, it's just that much of a drop. No, it's true. I mean, if you, if you think about it as from a... From a hypothetical perspective, of if the Steelers were in some kind of seeding war and needed, for whatever reason, needed MK to drop a game, and then it just so happened in that game, Cole Shudra made a, a north to south pass that gets intercepted, and the game winning goal is scored against MK, then, um, you know, I, I agree. It, you know, it's a lot, in fairness, it puts more pressure on them as well to not make those mistakes oh, for that reason. It's just something that. It, it, it's the dull opens for people to use as an excuse and then you know it all comes out there I'm not saying for a minute and I'm not suggesting that any of these teams or players will they're, they're hockey players they're pros the clubs are pros and they'll not want to do anything that looks bad for them so it's just the, the scenario that it could lead to absolutely absolutely. it's more of a shadow that can be cast over it as well isn't it as you say people raising allegations it's not not saying that that kind of thing is going on it's more saying that people may be able to come out and go oh well it, you know you've messed that up and you've clearly done that because you're affiliated with them and actually it's just because they've made a mistake. So looking at the, the team overall so far, question to you to end the, the, um, the round upon the, the teams, we'll start Gareth. Milton Keynes, do they make the, the quarterfinals of the playoffs? Without any injuries like last year, then yeah, definitely they will make it. Especially with the experience of the, the coach as well. Joe? Yeah, again, I kind of agree. With without any injuries, I, I could see them making a the final, the final eight. I, I I can't see them making a the final four, but I could certainly see them making a the final eight. I think they'll have a better season. I'm with both of you. I think they're going to make the the final eight. 
And then it's the look of a draw. Um, you, you've seen teams, you know, seventh, eighth rank, make it to the final four and uh, completely turn the uh, the four books upside down. So well, who, who absolutely. I mean, if MK draw Manchester in the playoffs, then maybe Manchester will draw blank again and uh, and lose the bottle from there. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, of course. So we've done the six teams. Our preview of the six teams next podcast. We will look at uh, the Guildford Flames, the Coventry Blaze, and the Scottish Three, the Five Flyers, the Dundee Stars. And the Glasgow clan. Big things to discuss there when we come round next time round. Um, for now, I mean, I guess that I guess the big thing to turn our attention to now is is it's a turning point for the league. It's particularly a turning point for the Cardiff Devils. It's the CHL. CHL. Said that very build up there. But it was very build up. <laughs> you know what? It's a tournament that is built, but it should be built up. But uh, I won't lie. I'm a huge fan of the whole CHL concept. Um, I think it's something that. Hockey needs in Europe. You have, if you, you know, you look at it. You have so many good leagues: the SHL, Liga, um, DEL, EBBL, um, and to be able to play teams again without quality. I mean, that's ignoring the KHL. Um, why would you want that? You know, I mean, we was lucky in Sheffield our first year to host Yavascular and then Frölunda, one of the biggest club sides in Europe. It's like Newport County drawing at home to Barcelona, and Barcelona bringing Messi and Co to Newport. It's that type of thing. And I, so the whole thing I love, um, and I, I, I do honestly say, I'm envious of the Devils for that alone, that they get a chance to play um, in the CHL this year. Absolutely, and as you say, I mean, just bringing it back to your vascular, I mean, obviously, for London, were a huge team. They went on to win the uh, the CHL that year. But obviously, the, the other team that we faced up against in the Vascular ended up being the first non-Swedish team to win the CHL. Um, so again, two huge clubs to see our club play against. It, it really was phenomenal. And, and, and I'm kind of in agreement. I am, I am envious that they are doing that. And I'm envious of Belfast as well, to be fair. No, 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 no. I mean, you look at... Um... The we'll look at Cardiff's group first, and we'll look at the other uh, the other groups just as a brief. Cardiff, it's it's no group is easy, um, but Cardiff isn't. Um, um, having said that though, we'll say the first team, and they beat them last year, and being convincingly, the, the Swedish press did like it with actual Lakers. Um, so the Devils have experience in it. Um, SC Burn, who lost to the Panthers oh, last year, and then Red Bull Salzburg, um, who Sheffield beat a couple of years ago. Um, all at home, so it's 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 not an easy group. But Gareth, they start. They, this is the one thing that's rare that the British team actually starts their home games instead of the away games. All the teams who've been in the CHL always start on their own. Do you think that will give them just a little advantage just to try and get some points to give them the opportunity to follow the Nottingham Panthers in making the knockout stage? Definitely, home advantage is always like a, a big thing to have. Especially when you're starting in the Champions Hockey League. Joe? Yeah, I, I'm absolutely. I mean, I think... I, th- I certainly think I mean, it leaves a lot to play for um, for the teams when they go back on the road. I, I think there's a there's a, an advantage to both sides. Um, certainly when it's, you know... Obviously, I appreciate it. it's not an aggregate scoring, but, you know, when you go back home, if you've lost that game, you know, it puts you in a better footing to give you that kick up the backside and try and get the win at home but obviously you've already made that loss um, you know so there, there, are, there are ups and downs to both you, you know you've got to take the rough with the smooth and at the end of the day it's part of the sport is, is playing home and away but I, I certainly think getting that home ice advantage for the first game it, it gives you the confidence as well if, if you can win that first game at home you're on, the, you're on the front foot whereas if you lose the first game away and then you come back home you're on the back foot already um, so it'll certainly bolster them to give them some confidence and, and give them that push when they end up going away. So I'm, I'm, I think they're going to be, it's going to be heartbreak for them. I think they'll miss out by a very small margin. I think they'll get points. Um, out of all team, probably not, but I think they'll, they'll get points. Out of it. I, I must admit, I think they will get most of their points in these next two games. So Thursday, so tomorrow night, as we do the podcast on, on Wednesday, they start against Red Bull Salzburg. Um, and then Saturday they face um, SC Burn. Um, had to laugh on on the, the Instagram account for the CHL and it showed how the other half live. Sheffield flew when they went to Gothenburg. Um, they flew Finnair, decent airline, not, not knocking it at all. Um, I suspect Cardiff will find an airline will get them to Salzburg and that. Salzburg get on their private jet and head to Cardiff. And you just go, that's how the other half live. 
Yeah. Where the teams could just rock up in a private jet. <laughs> It's, um, no, it certainly, it certainly is crazy. Obviously, I mean, the, we, it's, it's a bit of a strange one because people listening to this, you know, Elite League fans listening to this may have had experience in, in watching certain teams that Cardiff are going to come up against. Obviously, as you say, SC Byrne played Nottingham. Um, obviously, as you say, Baxo played Cardiff last year and then obviously Red Bull played the Steelers, um, you know, a couple of years ago. It, it, it certainly... You know, this certainly winnable games in each, as you've said. Each team's lost to an elite league game, and, and and what better way to start than not looking at your table, you know, thinking, are we going to win any of these? But looking at the table, saying every single game that we play in this is winnable, and I think that'll be a big benefit for the for the Devils. I mean, we say that group's not easy. I mean, you go through quickly the other groups. Um, group A, one that Gareth will probably appreciate more. You've got Zurich Lions, Vienna Capitals, Frölunda, third ranked team in the group. And the Allborg Pirates, who obviously played the Manchester Storm recently. Group B, you've got Red Bull Munich, uh, Turku, Malmo Redhawks, and Yunos Minsk, who qualified by winning the Continental Cup. Um, the season just gone. Uh, group C, you've got Balzano of Italy, winners of the EBBL, Skareftia, Helsinki, and for the first time, um, GKS Tichy of Poland won their national championships. Group D, uh, Bruno, Eisbahn and Berlin, uh, Zug and Nemen Grodno uh, from Belarus. Group E, Jagan in the Stockholm, Tampere, Trinek of the Czech League, and Stonehammer um, of Norway. Group F, Karpat Olu, Mountfield, who played the Panthers, lost both games against Panthers last year. Yeah. Um, nice jerseys, though. Very nice jerseys. <laughs> Nuremberg Ice Tigers, Ruan Dragons. Um, and then the last group, uh, the the winners of last year's uh, CHL, Yabaskula, HC Pilsen, HC Lejano, and Bistrica of Slovakia. And you look at them groups and you just go, there's this not a sim- You don't want to be a four-franc team in any of them groups. Oh, here. absolutely not. Every single one is packing some punch in those groups. And I certainly <laughs> wouldn't like to be, uh, as you say, the four-franc team in any of those. I mean, I, I said at the start of the bit about CHL about I enjoy the concept of the big teams coming to, to our rink and, and watching them. But there's a lot of fans who, who and I know some, some Cardiff fans have gone, well, I don't care because we're not going to do anything. You know, so why should, why should we let's focus on us with stuff we can win? Mm. Where do you stand on that? And then I'll start to Gareth as well. You know, do you focus on the winnables and ignore the the niceties, you know, the perks, or do you go, do you know what? Let's give it, let's give it a go, just to put our name on the market. I think people saying that we shouldn't be taking part in these competitions. I'd even stretch it as far as saying people saying that we shouldn't be taking part in preseason games against top end opposition. I think they're talking rubbish. I, to be honest, to be blunt, I, I, I don't see why you would turn down an opportunity. Yes, you get the opportunity to, um, you know, oh, well, you raise the risk of getting injuries, you raise the risk of fatigue. As I already said about Belfast for the Conti Cup, it can be a bit of a, a hindrance when it comes to the league because you've got those extra games to play. But, you know, you've got those extra games to play and you've got that increased risk of injury in the NHL if you make the Stanley Cup playoffs. I don't think any team's going to be saying, no, I'm not going to be playing in that. You know, it, it, I, I, just think it's, I just think it's silly. You, you, you flick back years, I can't remember whether it was the first year of the CHL or whether it was one of the years we were in the Con- Conti Cup. Jeff Woolhouse took it, made, got an injury. Jeff Woolhouse, from what I understand, got an injury as 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 an as part of warm up, I believe, or it was. He certainly wasn't a part of a game. It certainly wasn't a, an injury that came as part of a game. What's to say he doesn't do that at Ice Sheffield during training? You know, but at the same time, he got to sit in in the arena and watch our team take on some top quality opposition, and and the fans were able to get behind a team taking on a top quality opposition. Um, you know, I mean, we as Steelers fans got to see us take on a top end. Uh, Al Svenskan team this year in playing Lexans, finishing second in the Al Svenskan last year, and then to take on an SHL team in in Timbra, you know we we took heavy loss a heavy loss against Lexans and we took two losses against Timbra and to be honest with you, if I went back to the start of the season, I'd still be buying tickets for all four games and I'd still be making those arrangements to play those four games. I I, I can't see why you wouldn't want to. Gareth, I totally agree with Joe. It's the people that don't are like they don't want their team to actually do well in that that's just that's just silly in my opinion it's like as a hockey fan you want to watch your team play against the best teams you want to watch the best hockey like for like 
for us, we're obviously we're NHL fans as well as elite league fans. But then the fact that we like to watch to broaden our horizon and watch different European types of hockey, like for Rolanda over in Sweden, for me, Zurich Lions in the NILA. Um, watching those kind of teams against your team, that's just, it's like a, it's like, as you mentioned before, it's like watching Berry against like Real Madrid and they've brought all, all their top class players like Luka Madrid. It's unreal. I must admit, I, I remember one moment in um, 2010, Continental Cup final, and just the pride I had seeing our guys just skate on for the first game against Grenoble. That was unreal. Because I, I, I watching my team against, at the time, the final of the best European competition in European hockey. So then to get to watch the team against the likes of, you know, Frölunda, Salzburg, and you see the other teams that have come across. Um, the first year for the, for the Panthers, they had Lulia um, and um, Luca Rama, who were top end Swedish Finnish teams. I don't understand. I mean, I'd love someone. I mean, this will obviously will go out and if people are sitting and get in touch. Tell me why I'm wrong, because I think we're all through, because I think we're green, that it's not good to see these teams, that it's not good to enjoy hockey at the, at the best end. I mean, you got to speak to some of the Panthers fans, I'll see some of the best games was the Burn Home game, just the quality of the hockey. The Cardiff Devil fans, Davos at home, and Backshow at home, were some of the best games they watched, yeah. because of the quality of the hockey. Um, I, I, I must say, I don't understand, but do you know what? Apart from Tarnak, because I've put um, an accumulator on it against the Devils, but you know, I'd like to see him do well. Final question on it, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll fall agonisingly close, but they'll do better than they did last year. Joe, Gareth, will they get out of the group stage? I reckon they will do. Just, I reckon they'll just scrape past. So it'll be like one point between either of the three teams that are in their group. Yeah, I, I can see them doing it, to be honest. I, I I can see them beating Salzburg at home. I think them taking Vaxio into their building when Vaxio lost there last time, I think is a, is a huge thing. And I can see them getting a home result against Bern. I, to be honest with you, I can't see them beating Vaxio in Vaxio's building. And I can't see them beating Red Bull in their building. I mean, we saw what Red Bull can do in their building and we saw the atmosphere in there and it was something else. Um, I, I could see them getting a result in Burn, to be honest. So, I, do you know what? To be honest with you, I'd be leaning on the side of, yeah, I, I, I could see them, like Greth, I could see them just scraping away into the knockout stages. Well, with 2-1 uh, for Cardiff, but uh, if you haven't got a ticket and if you're in Cardiff, you haven't got one, I question why. The, all, the, the, all the games for the Cardiff Devils are on free sports. Um, Aaron Murphy... And Paul Hader will be commenting. The face-off tomorrow night is 7.30pm. Um, so that one I'll be getting uh, tucked up really and watching for that one. Yeah, so likewise. I do like the... Uh, the <laughs> like the idea. Yeah, so... Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll mention the CHL as the, as the, the podcast go on and we'll we'll go on in that. And to, to finish off this first one, um, it'd be rude not to mention, um, as I mentioned in the re- preview of the Giants, it's a big year for GB hockey fans to look at the World Championships Paul A. Paul A, for the first time in 25 years next year, GB will be um, playing against the very best of the world thanks to the scrappiest goal Robert Fowler will ever score in his life. Um, it ended the career, it ended the contract for the Hungarian <laughs> yeah, yeah, goalie. Yeah, he gets the contract with the new team and then they terminate it for mutual uh, agreement. Um, I'll, I'll go to Gareth first. I mean, a, a, a huge result, a huge. Um, just a huge thing for the GB programme to, to somehow find a way to make the, um, the Pool A um, tournament next year. And uh, what benefit do you think is going to see the, the players in the Elite League this year, knowing that they could have a shot of having one of the 25, I believe, roster spots to go out to Cassiti? I think from the Brits' point of view, they're going to be pretty much putting everything into it. Even when they're really tired, like in the, the last like five minutes of the third period, they'll put everything into it just to show Pete Russell that they want to play against the likes of Germany, Canada, Denmark, USA, Finland, even the dreaded F word. 
and then so Slovenia, Slovakia, sorry, that's it's unreal. Just think that we're gonna see GB against top quality players. I'm, I'm, I must admit, I think you're gonna see the competitive level of, of the Brit players even further. Uh, Joe, I mean, it's easy to go and it's missing that it's gonna do anything for the game of this country. Um, but do you think being in, uh, in Pool A for this one season, maybe two? Rod's on favourites to go down, but just for one season at that very top level, do you think it'll do any good for the game in this country at sort of the top end level? But will that eventually then filter down to the lower ends and the juniors? Yeah, I, absolutely. I, it comes back to the similar kind of thing from a from a playing perspective as to why we'd want to see our teams take part in the CHL and the Conti Cup. Yes, we're, we're probably going to get spanked against teams like Canada and USA. But does that mean that we don't want to see our teams go up against Canada and USA? Because I, for one, certainly do. Um, you know, to see somebody like Jonathan Phillips going up against teams that could have the likes of Carey Price between the pipes or Henrik Lundqvist between the pipes, you're telling me you don't want to see that. And it goes back to the same thing again. I, I think you know we, we excel at wanting to watch our teams go further, play those extra teams. And I think from the players' perspective, it's, it's the same thing. I mean... The, all right, you've got the likes of Liam Kirk that's been knocking on the door um, to try and get his way up to the NHL. Obviously, he was drafted um, by the by the Arizona Coyotes, so congrats to him. Obviously, then going to the Peterborough Peach, you know, the likes for him, maybe it's not so unrealistic for him to be going to play um, up against some NHL quality players in, in that league. But then you look at the likes of people like Jonathan Phillips, you know, no disrespect to Jonathan Phillips, he's been a fantastic captain for both GB and for the Steelers. But, you know, you've got to believe he's coming to the end of his career. And I'm pretty sure he's not aspiring to go and knock on the door of the NHL anytime soon. So this is the chance for him to go and excel his career and, and go and do those things that he's, he probably dreamed of when he was starting to play ice hockey, at, at even at even a vaguely professional level. Um, and, and I think it will give a kick to a lot of people in the in the elite league this year I think all those kind of Brits and as Greth says even potentially a lower level Brits um, maybe your likes of the ones that are on even the loan contracts like Cole Shudra they'll be wanting to push their game to the extreme to show Pete Russell that they deserve a spot on that on that roster I must admit that's, I think that's a, a, a massive point is for the guys like Jonathan Phillips and um, Colin Shields um, and players who have you know the you know, Colin Shields the, the highest goal scorer um, in GB history you know, the guys who've, who've, who've paid their dues and demands, they've, they've, they've served the programme well, and then two cases with dignity as well, they've, they've always represented it well, to have that chance against the potential likes of Conor McDavid, um, Cindy Crosby, you know, I, I think it's good for them, and I think it's something that's earned. You know, they've earned the chance, especially them two players in particular, and other players, playing in 1B and against the likes of Holland, Estonia, um, Romania, you know, to go then through a few years' time to then play Canada, USA, Finland, Slovakia, Germany, Denmark, and, and the F word, um, France. Um, I think it's something that they've earned, so they've earned the right to enjoy the moment. Um, and, you know, like Gareth said, I think we're going to see a lot of, of good competition for, for places. I don't think, I don't want you to think, I don't think it's going to be an easy job for Pete Russell to, to narrow his team down, never mind just for the. Uh, the pre-training camp, I think that'll be tough enough. To get it down to the team that will fly out to CT, I think could be very difficult. Certainly going to be a task. Certainly will be. And I think some of the, we'll, we'll revisit the players throughout the different podcasts that we'll do over the year. And, you know, we'll build up as uh, the players to watch out for, the ones that we think may have a shot. And we'll see if we can uh, put a, a team together that, you know, could do well um, in, in the CT. And again, you know, or down the line, if, if anybody listens and they have ideas of who they think may or should be, have a contention to get a spot, get in touch with us. We will have the, uh, the Twitter handle. Yeah, so um, obviously as we come to the end of the podcast, as Dave said, you know we've got a Twitter handle now. We'll be putting the podcasts out uh, and obviously sharing them on on the, on the, on the My Fancy Zamboni Twitter page. We'll also be sharing news across the Elite League and obviously putting a few tweets out regarding certain things as well. Um, so to follow us on that, you want to be looking for at MFZ Podcast. That's at MFZ Podcast. 
uh, and there's a nice little graphic of of Zamboni with MFZ on there, which we have to give our thanks to uh, to Mr. Andy Stafford for doing that for us. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out for that on Twitter. Keep an eye out for the further podcast that we'll be putting out. Has anybody got anything else to add, gents? No, I think that's it. Um, and to those who will, will hopefully will be listening, thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, and we look forward to uh, doing the next one. And we'll by next week we'll have a couple of CHL games to discuss. And we'll also have um, the first round of the Challenge Cup games yeah. that we can discuss. And so we'll be starting to see sort of teams first uh, moves in the Elite League campaign. Yeah. Should be, a, should be a very good season for all Elite League fans. Certainly looking exciting at the moment. So, yep, yeah, that's it. Thank you very much, John. Yep, yeah, thank you very much. And thank you very much, Gareth. Thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, thank you and good night.